0: Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keene, the senior pastor. And wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message, that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. You know, uh, this Christmas Eve is so powerful and so special. I've been a Christian now 39 years. and I'm still in awe of what Jesus has done. I'm still in awe of the Christmas story. And I think what I'd like to do right now is just go to the book of Luke and read to you the passage describing uh, Jesus coming. So if you can come with me, everybody, I'm going to read from the book of Luke, chapter 2. We should have it for you on the screen, but let me read it from the New King James. It says this. It says, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes or cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Now there were were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Remember that thought. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Wow. You need to know for, well, it's now 2,000 years since Jesus came. But you need to know for hundreds and hundreds of years, every Jewish family was hoping that the Messiah would come and come through their family line. The Bible tells us that the angel of the Lord appeared to Mary and told her, she was a young girl, 16, 17, and said to her, you're going to be conceive and be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. She's betrothed to an older guy, Joseph. And uh, Mary, great young lady of faith, in a time where you could be stoned to death, having sex outside of marriage you would certainly be cut off from your family and your community and she says to the angel of the lord be it done according to your will be it done according to your will not mine your will god have your way yeah. joseph obviously when he heard the story freaked out and uh but the bible tells us in matthew 1 and 2 that joseph has a, has a dream and the angel of the lord tells him it's fine mary's pregnant by the holy spirit I'm going to lead you and guide you. And Joseph gets spoken to by God as well. And so the two of them then are now having to deal with the fact she's pregnant. What are the neighbors thinking? What are the friends thinking? What's everybody around going to say? But they know that God is in this, and she has conceived by the Holy Spirit um, God's own son. And so the Bible tells us that they set off for Bethlehem. Herod decides to take a census. You need to know to everybody that, Jesus was on the hit list of hell. He was on the hit list of hell. The enemy was out to destroy him. And that hit list went out, which was kill all the male children. Herod knew that they'd been speaking in every community for a long time, uh, that the Messiah was coming. And now all the signs were coming together. And the astrologists, the magi, the wise men, if you like, were now reporting, as were everybody else, now is the time It's happening. It's all coming together. And then the supernova appears in the sky. And so the astrologers and everybody who'd been waiting lean into what's happening. And these wise men, Magi astrologers, follow the star to uh, Bethlehem. Mary and Joseph are now sidetracked due to a census. And because also Herod's trying to kill the male children uh, to wipe out Jesus... Mary and Joseph now take off on what was a 90-mile trek from northern Israel to Bethlehem. That trek in kilometers is about 145 k's for the conversion factor. And so that trek was Mary on a donkey for most of it, nearly at full-term pregnancy. And uh, obviously, they'd left earlier, so it was, a, it was a journey. But she's near full-term pregnancy, and uh, her and Joseph are having to travel through land with raiders, Um, robbers, you name it, it was complex and difficult. If you think 2020 has sucked for you and you had a stressful year, try being Mary and Joseph and, and dealing with this situation where you're now being led by God through this territory on a donkey, 145 Ks, with all the challenges ahead in order to do what the angel of the Lord is asking you to do, which is what the Lord is asking you to do. And the Bible tells us that there was no room at the inn. Just remember, everybody, there's a little spiritual thought there that if man closes a door in your life or closes a door against you, if you're serving the Lord, God can open up a, a feeding trough, a manger. He can open up a divine destiny door that even though in man's eyes it looks no good, in actual fact, it's God's set up to bless you. So don't be put off. If man closes a door, God opens one. So incredibly Mary and Joseph do the 145k trek. They can't, there's no room in the inn, and they end up in a stable, in a manger, a feeding trough where they place the baby. And now the wise men who've trekked, some people say that they actually came from somewhere near Iran. So these astrologers and wise men and others were coming massive distances to follow the star where it's shone and appeared over Jesus. And everybody, is it incredible or what? that God's son is born in a humble manger, like in a humble manger. You know, like if I'm God, I'm being born in Crown Towers, (laughs) in the penthouse suite, and you will have to sign in and I will have to have photo ID to let you up in the lift to come to me. You know, like this, like who does this? the humble servant savior, Jesus, coming in the form of a babe. Like, is that mind-blowing for you? Like, if I'm God, I'm coming with a sword and a golden cape. Get out of my way, people. I'm coming through. And yet the Bible tells us Jesus comes as a babe to serve us, to love us, and to lay down his life for us. is that incredible? He came to serve you, to love you, and then give his life for you. Like, my brain just fuses again. When I was a kid, some of you will relate to me, I was always saying to my mum, why? I have a friend already. Why? Where's all, my, where's all the people, you, the questioning people? I was always like, well, why? And why did they do that? And why is that happening? And why is that? I was always having, this is my mother's response in my childhood, shh, <laughs> shh, I was like, well, why are they doing that, shh, why does our grandfather live in the dark in those with big drapes, he came from Ireland, shush, shh, why, shh, why is that, well, why do they do that, why do they do that, why is that, that why, do they, why, 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 do you know, why stand you in good stead for the deeper things of life, everybody? the deeper things of life. Christianity, as I've dug into it, I've just become more and more mind-blown how hidden in plain sight is incredible things, but yet you've got to dive into it with humility. So I'm like, I can remember as a, as a kid even saying to my mom, why are they bringing gold to Jesus? Was he broke? Did he need gold? <laughs> like, my mom's like why is that when you look into the gifts everybody that even came to jesus in the manger that the wise men the astrologers brought to him every one of them is significant every one of them has a spiritual insight to it every one of the gifts is strategic in god's plan and i love how the magi who at that point would seemingly have had no relationship with god but already god is using them To play a part in his story it's amazing how god took many of us who were not believers i was not a believer i was not a christian and god took my life and then has used it now in other people's stories god will take your life and use it though you were like what how did this ever happen so the astrologers brought gold first gift why were they bringing gold Gold is rare, it's precious, it's got more expensive over the years, I've noticed. And gold really is a gift fit for royalty. Though Jesus and His Father did not bestow on Him royalty, they bestowed, God bestowed on Him a manger in a feeding trough in a rural agricultural zone in Bethlehem. Yet these men who were wise understood this is the Saviour. This is the Anointed One. This is the King. This gold represented that Jesus would be not just a King, that in fact come to Earth, come to your life, is the King of all Kings. The King of all Kings. When I moved to Europe uh, in 1992, I, I like art galleries. I like I like classic music. I like R&B too, a little bit of hip hop, but R&B. In heaven, it's going to be classic music and R&B, people. That's it. So, But I went to art galleries, and I went to music. And when I'm there, I'm like going in the art galleries. Okay, this painting's about Jesus. All right. This painting's about Jesus. Okay, incredible. This is about Jesus. And then I would go around the European cities, right? So people gave their lives for 150 years to build this church for Jesus. This church got built over 700 years for who? For Jesus, this building got built for Jesus. This mu- music, you, they wrote this for Jesus. I'm watching the West Australian Symphony Orchestra. Sue and I go see Handel's Messiah, Perth Concert Hall, written for, um, that would be Jesus. And I love that because in Handel's Messiah, in Perth Concert Hall, there's a point in Handel's Messiah where you all stand. Who knows what I'm talking about? You all join in the Handel's Messiah. You stand up. And it's like, everybody's kind of who doesn't know the story. It's like, what are we all standing suddenly for with the West Australian Symphony Orchestra playing? That's because when it was first written by Handel, and it was played, I think it was played in England first, the king, when they played Handel's Messiah to the glory of God, the king, at the end, by himself, stood up in Handel's Messiah and said, this king must stand for the king of kings. And all the people were like, oh, Everybody stood up with the king. And from ever on, every time hear handles Messiah around the world, we stand not just for a king, but the king. <laughs> Second gift arrives. I'm like, what is this? Why are they giving him this gift? What is this? Frankincense. What the heck is that? Frankenstein monster. What is that? Frankincense. You look into it frankincense is an incense that has a calming effect it has a calming effect when the holy spirit is in your life when god's in your life for all of the if you're a control freak just raise your hand no don't 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 no, don't everybody who's a stressor life can be stressful right life has been this has been a stressful year but when i became a christian i suddenly was like why am I losing stress? why I feel calm? I feel good, which was fresh and novel. I'm telling you the frankincense of the Holy Spirit came on me. It was calming, but the frankincense also represents the incense the incense that the priests burnt in the Old Testament. It also had a restorative uh part to play. people would. Uh, light this and it would be restorative, you know, to your senses, yourself. You know, um, there's a clue there too that they were giving Jesus a gift of who he is. He's the restorer. Whatever life has thrown at you, everybody, this is a clue that if you come to Jesus, he's going to restore you. Some of us have had average lives. Lives have been okay. But do you know what? I don't think God ever intended for our lives just to be okay. I think they're intended to be purposeful, valuable, fulfilling. So, so I began to experience as a new Christian restoration from poverty and brokenness to restoring. And I love what the Word of God says. God restores the years that the locusts have eaten. You ever seen a locust plague hit a town and destroy the crop? It's like I'd had the locust plate of you know, of my previous life, it ate away at me, and now God was restoring. This is reflective of the fact that when you get near Jesus, he begins to restore. I'm watching Kunda, he's gonna restore the whoever in your family failed you. God is reaching out to you through the hands and feet of our church in Zambia because God wants to restore you to your purpose. Here's the other thing. Without God, I became like the world. I became like other people. I became like what the journalists said. I became what social media told me to be like. I became like this. And when I met God, suddenly He was restoring me to the design plan that He had for my life and restoring me to who I really am. God wants you to restore you to who you really are, not who life or people have forced you to be. Also, frankincense... Uh, the, as I said, the Old Testament priests would burn it when they were offering up a sacrifice, which was a lamb or a goat or a bullock or something, they would offer it up to God as a sacrifice. Well, this was also indicative that Jesus would be the high priest for us. Some of you are like, what does that mean? That means that now God had said, no longer would the blood of bulls and goats and lambs uh pay the price and penalty for sin, it would be one final lamb, and that lamb would be Jesus Christ, who the Bible says is the lamb who takes away the sin of the world, the sin of the world, and uh, so Jesus became the high priest, as well as the fragrance, and who offered himself once on the cross, by the way, everybody, we just saw his birth, then the cross, you know, Jesus ministered, just get this, Jesus ministered. This is why when I'm like seeing the art galleries and the buildings and the churches and music written to his glory, he ministered for, are you ready? Three years. No social media, no Wi-Fi, no book agent, no Twitter, no TikTok, no Facebook. Anyway, none of that. Ministers for three years. Some of us are still trying to get our driver's license in three years. (laughs) Look, I fail mine. You know, people. (laughs) Share Share the facts. But in three years, he changes the world. Changes history. Changes humanity. Changes art. Changes culture. Changes nations. Sets people free. The reason most people, whether you believe in Christianity or not, The reason most people are lining up around the world to try and move to Australia, Canada, New Zealand, Western nations, is because the freedom we have is based in one person and one place only. One person, one place only. Our laws, one person, one place only. Jesus Christ. The Bible. That's the only reason you have freedom and you don't have a dictator telling us all what to do in Australia. A dictator... And we're not controlled by the reason you have democracy and freedom. And and you have freedom to uh, not acknowledge Jesus. Isn't that incredible? And he, listen, and he gave it to you. How incredible. So, then the Bible tells us that Jesus, as I said, born in Bethlehem. Micah prophesied it 700 years ago. 700 years, sorry, 700 years before Jesus was born, Micah prophesied that as for you, Bethlehem, too little to be among the clans of Judah, yet from you one will come forth to me to be ruler in Israel. His times of coming forth are from long ago, from days of eternity. Micah prophesied seven centuries before Jesus gets here. The leader who's coming is coming through Bethlehem. Bethlehem was nothing except an agricultural zone for growing and developing and birthing special lambs, which I'll just talk about. So I decided to to ask the question about the land. I didn't even, I haven't even realized this till this week, that where Jesus was born one mile east of Bethlehem actually originally was the field of David. King David owned this ancestral land. I did not know this. So where Mary and Joseph have been led by the angel of the Lord is not random, it's strategic. It's not random, it's totally and utterly strategic. And the land is actually called, the field of David is actually called Migdal Eda. And in this field, everybody, they used to have shepherds who would have towers around the fields of this uh, large land And they would watch over lambs and sheep, but lambs, not average lambs. These are lambs that are being raised for the Jewish Passover. It will be, these lambs will be sacrificed to Father God. So, this was no average place that the angel of the Lord was saying, Go there. It was strategic because in this place, these lambs would have the priests come down before they'd offer the sacrifice in the temple to see if there was any blemish on the lamb. Is there any blemish? Is there any bruise? Is there any broken bone? Because the lambs were offered up spotless and perfect by the priest for Passover and in the temple as a sacrifice. Listen, all of that is talking about Jesus coming and being the final lamb, the lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. In that place, I have discovered tens of thousands of spotless lambs were offered up as a sacrifice to God for man's sins that we might be forgiven. God knew this is enough. It's not working. I need to have one final lamb who would be offered up. I don't know if you noticed, but the Bible says Jesus was wrapped in swaddling clothes. What is that? Swaddling clothes means restrictive, restrained. He was restrained in the swaddling clothes and restricted in exactly the same ways they wrapped the lamb so that they would have no bruise, no blemish, no brokenness. So when the priest inspected them, said, yes, they're perfect, they can be offered up. So Jesus is now restrained at birth in the same way the lamb's were. For those who are looking on, they're going, what's happening here? Why are they doing it? Why are they wrapping him tightly? Because Jesus could have no blemish, no brokenness. The Bible actually says he would have no broken bone when he was offered up on the cross. I don't know if you know, know the story. They were coming. They broke the, uh, the two criminals by Jesus. They broke their legs in the kneecap so that they would suffocate and die quickly. They got to Jesus and they didn't do it because the Bible said they would not. He would have no broken bone. Jesus was birthed in the same spot that David had set aside for tens of thousands of spotless lambs to be offered up over time. And now the final lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world was being born. And hardly anybody knew it in the field of David, oh my gosh. And then the last gift arrives. The last gift is being brought to Jesus, and everybody's just thrilled to see gifts coming. But this gift, again, as I go to my mom, why are they bringing him myrrh? What's myrrh? What is that? I gotta look that up and find out what that is as well. Because even there, the final gift nails the whole story. (laughs) Wrong use of words. Myrrh is a strong antiseptic, everybody. That talks about how Jesus can come and wash away all of our sin. Every crime you've committed, every terrible thing you've done, everything that you think, I could never be forgiven. I could never live good. I could never be right with God. I've failed. I've done so many bad things. I've hurt so many people. No, no, no. The myrrh represents Jesus is going to be the strong antiseptic to wipe away your past. When I prayed a prayer to become a believer i didn't know if god was even real but i hoped he was wasn't long after that i started to feel the weight of things that i had done i'd asked said to god if you're real could you forgive me god forgave me all right i could feel the weight lift off me within the next week i felt man i'm free i'm free the myrrh also represented most notably it was a burial spice they gave a baby Burial spice. Can you imagine? The astrologer doesn't even know. He just knows it's worth money. But he's actually giving Jesus. Here's your burial spice. You're going to need it. Because you're going to, in 30 years' time, start your ministry. At 33, you're going to be killed and crucified. Persecuted and marred beyond human likeness upon a cross. They gave him burial spice. Because he would die as a sacrifice for you. So even in his birth and coming, they were bringing a gift to say, Jesus, you'll need this because you're going to die for these people. You're going to die for them. You're going to die for them. They would mix the burial spice in like a, cement-like, uh, like a cement paste. Jesus was marred beyond human likeness after they tortured him, persecuted him, beat him, whipped him, hung him on the cross. You could hardly even recognize him. Then they buried him in the cement paste full of myrrh to embalm him then it was in a rich man's tomb then they got a huge stone they reckon it's about two two and a half ton to put up against it because the romans did not want to see him get out there because he might have been a he might have been a leader who was going to rise up against the roman empire jesus was fully encased in that stuff and then the bible tells us on the third day he rose from the dead wow and on the cross mercy also a pain reliever get near jesus he's going to relieve your pain But also on the cross, they tried to give Jesus myrrh on the cross to relieve his pain. And he would not receive it, even as he was in agony, because he was taking all of your pain. He was taking all of your pain. He was not trying to anesthetize that moment. But he was silent, the Bible says, silent. Rather than going, what are you doing to me? I'm the son of God. But he was silent. The Bible says, as the lamb goes to the shearers, he was silent because he, he was taking your pain on him. Everybody, can I encourage you? Don't let fear and insecurity this Christmas keep you from God. Fear and insecurity looks like this. Well, I could never put my faith in Jesus. I could never be a Christian. I could get, never get near God. I, I'm just not good enough. I'm just, not, I'm just never going to be good. That's just never going to happen. Listen, none of us can be good enough. You will never be good enough. I cannot be a Christian for five seconds without God's goodness and God living through me. You'll never be good enough. That's why He came. Romans says, there are none righteous. No, not one. And the last one, don't let the other side. Some people think, oh, yeah, Jesus and Christmas and church. Yeah, that's for church people. I don't know who they are. Most people in this place never came from church backgrounds, Christian backgrounds. Half of the building here on parole at the moment. Anyway, no, go away from that. (sighs) Not half. Maybe quarter to an eighth. um, But some people think, well, I don't need a crutch. Listen, when people say, I don't need a crutch, it's pride. It's pride. C.S. Lewis said, pride is the most cancerous, malignant thing. He said, don't allow one bit of it. Cause it just ruins everything. So, pride and judgment. We think we go, yes, Pastor Jared, it's a good message you're bringing. There'll be a lot of people here who will need this, but not I. There'll be many in this building who would need this. Good message for them, Pastor Jared, but not me. You know the Bible says pride comes before a fall. <sighs> How many proud people have fallen? Through my life, I've got to meet a lot of people. London, got involved with people in the theater shows, business people, wealthy people in Sydney. i mix mixed with all kinds of people. And here's what I discovered. There is not one person I have met, not one, who is not broken in some area of their life. Don't ever tell me that you are not broken behind the scenes. As Soon as we get behind the scenes of your life, I'm going to find out you're broken in some area, relationally, emotionally, mentally, Spiritually, everybody's broken. Everybody's broken. It's just that you decide, I need to get in touch with something of depth. i got to leave this shallow thing. That's what I, where I was. Ugh. Jesus, help me. And I had to humble myself and Lord, and to the Lord and say, yep, include me, God, in that prayer. I need you. That night I prayed that prayer, not knowing if God's real. Jesus came powerfully into my life. And 1 John 5 became true to me. Testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. The one who has the Son has the life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. If you want the life, it's in Jesus. Mary and Joseph, too. Mary and Joseph's trial, huge trial, huge stress, turned out to work fully for God's purpose. Can I encourage everybody here? Let your trial Let your difficulty, let your pain, let your crippling, let your stress, let it turn around and work for God's purpose for your life and for others. How do you become a Christian? How did I become a Christian? From no Christianity, went to a religious school as a kid, that gave me an inoculation to never go back. I went to a religious school and all I learned was don't go near God. He's cold, hard and dead. It wasn't. The the presentation and the wrapping how they presented him was wrong. He's alive, and he's good, and he's kind, and he's a friend, and he's a forgiver, and he's gracious, and he lifts you up, and he lifts me up. This is the God, this is the real one. Here's what the Bible says. This is how easy it is to come to God. Oh my goodness. I hope you're getting this. Listen, everybody, he's done everything. God has done everything. He set it all in play for you. The only reason people won't be in eternity is because they didn't choose it. God's a gentleman. Can you imagine? The only reason people won't be in eternity is because they're like, no. You know, there's some things to be wrong about. Be wrong about the house you live in. Be wrong about the job you take. Be wrong about, but don't be wrong about eternity. It's all been done. All you have to do is receive it. Look at this, Romans ten nine. The Bible says, this is salvation. If you confess with your mouth, what is that? A prayer. Jesus as Lord, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. For the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. So what are we going to do? Confess, pray, believe in our heart. Yep. Then the Bible says, you'll be saved. Boom. He's done it all. And then Romans 10, 13 backs it up with confirmation. Everyone everyone, not just the pure, not just the one, not one is good, not like that person. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everybody, this Christmas Eve, there's no greater thing you can do with your life right now than to call on the name of the Lord and be saved. In life, so many people are stressed and confused and medicating with alcohol and drugs. I meet them all the time. So many. When God says, no, no, be saved now. Be saved emotionally, be saved spiritually, be saved relationally, be saved eternally. week after I prayed that prayer to receive Christ, I woke up maybe a little bit less in my bed. I was not from a Christian background. My family was not Christian. Well, they'd become Christians by now, most of them. But I woke up, the anti-church, anti-God, and in my bed, I'm lying there and I went, oh my gosh, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. I am going to heaven. nearly i'm in my late teens and i'm lying there going i knew it no one had to tell me no one had to counsel me no one had like i need to go to church and get you know become a christian but i knew i am going to heaven i went to work every day the worst job ever going i'm going to heaven this job sucks but it doesn't matter i'm going to heaven (laughs) my life sucks right now too i've got no money i'm going to heaven oh my gosh My friends are shockers, but I'm going to heaven. Everything was becoming good because I knew, and God told me, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. You confess me, you believe in me. Jared, now you're saved. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others